Well, I want to introduce to you someone that, uh, for most of you, is no stranger to St. John's. Uh, Josh Allahan and his family uh, have been um, missionaries supported by this church for several years, uh, first in Uganda, uh, Africa, and then more recently uh, down in Wilmore, Kentucky, at the France, uh, or through the Francis Asbury Society. And so Josh is going to tell you a little bit more about uh, where God has kind of you know, moved uh, his family, literally moved his family, but also where God is moving and and uh, giving them opportunities to serve. But we are grateful, uh, even as we talked about $7,800 that was raised for missions, but we're also grateful that inside of our missions budget uh, to stand with and support uh, those who are lifting high the name of Jesus in just a variety of situations. And so uh, will you join me? Let's welcome Josh as he comes and uh, shares with us this morning. Well, good morning. It's always a joy to be with you and to worship with you. Uh, I, I'm discovering on this trip back to New Jersey, uh, my family makes me a much more likable person. Uh, that when I travel without them, people don't really get very excited. Um, so I'm sorry that they're not here. Uh, they do send their greetings and they love you all and um, are grateful for your partnership. It was funny, I... Uh, I flew in on Thursday and I stopped at my in-law's house to pick up the car that I was borrowing for the weekend. And two of my nieces were there and the youngest one, I saw her first and said hi to her. And she kind of looked at me and then, you know, you you could see like she was remembering who I was and gave me a big hug and a smile and was happy to see me. The older one came into the room and kind of looks at me sideways and says, so is anyone else here with you? (laughs) No, it's just me. Um, but anyway, uh, my family says hello and, uh, yeah, are grateful for you. Uh, excited to share with you uh, from the Word and a little bit of what God's uh, been doing in our life and called us to. Uh, if you have been keeping score or following us, you may be a little bit confused because the last time we were here, uh, which was the summer of 2020, a lot was going on and has gone on between then, now and then. Um, but we were on our way to pastor at a local church here in New Jersey, and now I'm coming to you from Kentucky. And so, yes, a big change happened shortly after I was here. Um, that story is too long to tell, but let me just uh, assure you that God has been so good, and we are beyond excited uh, for where he has led us to Kentucky and, and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that that's where he wants us, um, and he's doing some great things. So just uh, grateful for your prayers in that, that direction. So the theme verse, and, and Mike shared this uh, last week and, and made mention of it today, uh, in Philippians chapter 1, uh, Paul says these words. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And uh, I would join uh, Paul's words Uh, And specifically for you all at St. John's, say that when we think of you, we give thanks to God for you. Uh, And I firmly believe that God is proud of this church and that you are a missional church. You are a church that strives to love people uh, in these walls and beyond these walls. And uh, I think we can have a healthy dose of pride, Uh, not not too much pride, Um, but that God is proud of that. And so well done on that end. And we are talking about partnership and gratitude. And uh, my kind of theme, so if, if you haven't checked out yet, catch this and then then be free to, to check out. Don't do that. Um, 
But my main idea this morning is that gratitude and partnership are a response to what God has done for us and is doing inside of us. Gratitude and partnership are a response to what God has done for us and is doing inside of us. And again, kind of echoing just a few things that Mike shared with you last week in that, uh, you know, stewardship is kind of a common theme this time of year. Uh, we talk about uh, stewarding our time, our resources, our money, and, and, and recognizing. And someone said to me after the first service, they said, uh, and, and again, I think it's just um, he's giving praise back to God. He said, but everything I have comes from God. It's all from him anyway. And so I have to be a good steward of it and give it back to him. And that's what, that's what we tend to focus on a lot this time of year. And, and, and recognizing that it's not at all a transactional relationship. Uh, it's not a, I'll do this for God as long as he'll do this for me. Uh, or God has done, even God has done so much for me that I have to do these things and actually what begins to happen is we, we begin to fall into this trap of almost trying to earn back our salvation. And let me give you a clue. You never can earn your salvation. There is absolutely nothing we can do to earn it. It's all by the grace of Jesus Christ that we are saved. And so uh, what happens, though, is when we recognize that and truly live into that, Gratitude and partnership are like a natural overflow. Just like breathing is so natural, we don't think about it, that when we recognize what he has done for us and what he continues to do in us, we respond with a grateful heart and we respond by looking for ways to partner with him in what he is doing in our local communities and homes and also around the world. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I've had the privilege and joy for really the past few years uh, to partner uh, and have a relationship with uh, a group of guys who meet here on Thursday nights, the small group led by Doug Strout and Bob Donnelly. Um, and Pablo is here. That's where I met Pablo and Mark and Jim and uh, all those guys. Just a, a fantastic group of men who meet on Thursday nights. And recently they've been going through uh, the Chosen series. I don't know if you've, you've heard of or have watched the Chosen, which is a very, very well uh, done TV show about the life of Jesus. Um, it's not on our actual like TV services. You have to get a nap and all that. But anyway, it's just incredibly well done. And the guys have, I know, walk, walked through all of those episodes and now have gone back and are going in, in greater detail uh, of those episodes. And uh, I, I really believe, you know, this is the inspired word of God right here. Uh, and that TV show is not necessarily inspired, but I do believe that, that God is in that. And I know that there are very strong Christians who are putting that show together because anytime I watch the episodes, uh, I feel this, this connection. Uh, and I just believe that, uh, that God is using it in a great way and bringing fresh life to these stories that many of us have heard many times over. But anyway, um, there's one episode about Jesus and his conversation with the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. And I'm not going to read through the story, but you can find it if you want. It's in John chapter 4. Uh, it's a pretty long passage, but it's a, a very significant, significant story. And just some background uh, reminder, you know, Jews and Samaritans, they did not like each other at all. Uh, they did not, they hated each other. As a matter of fact, and, and Jews, if they had to go uh, somewhere uh, 
and either travel through Samaria or travel around Samaria, which would add extra days on their journey, they would more than likely choose to travel around Samaria just so that they didn't have to interact with the Samaritan. Jesus is traveling with his disciples and he travels through the heart of Samaria. Um, and in the middle of the day, he sends his disciples into town to get some supplies and he waits at the well just outside of town because he has a special appointment with someone. And as Jesus is waiting at the well, sure enough, this woman comes to get her water. And this woman is coming at the middle of the day. She's coming at the middle of the day because no one in her own community would dare to be seen with her. This woman is riddled with shame and guilt because she has had five failed marriages and is now living with her sixth man. And uh, she comes in the middle of the day because, you know, that's when she knows she can be alone. And she doesn't have to face the judgments, the accusing eyes, the whispers. She can come get her water and just go home. And on this day she comes and here's this Jewish man sitting there who engages her in conversation. Jewish man, a Samaritan woman, never should they have such a conversation. And yet Jesus meets her there in the middle of the day, the heat of the day. And I love that he actually, he opens the conversation by putting himself at a place of need. He says, would you give me some water? And they carry on the conversation. But, uh, What I love about this and uh, just kind of the three areas where Jesus meets her, he meets her physically. Again, middle of the day, heat of the day. No one's at the well, but he's there with her. He meets her emotionally where she is feeling uh, riddled with guilt and shame. And he engages in that. He doesn't sweep it under the rug. You know, he calls her out, but he does it in a way that's still accepting of her and valuing her as a person and letting her know that he loves her and cares for her. And he engages with with her spiritually. She is confused. She has a lot of questions. The Jews and Samaritans had different beliefs about worship and, and where you should worship and where you can't worship. She has a lot of those questions. She's confused. And he meets her there. And the biggest way that he meets her spiritually is that he reveals to her who he is, the Messiah. He entrusts her with that extremely important message. One of the first in public that Jesus reveals himself to. Do we have any people in our communities, in our lives, in our rows with us, where we are riddled with shame and some guilt? Maybe we're terribly confused about some things. You know, those are real things. Those are real needs, real issues that we go through. The Messiah meets us right there in them, embraces us, works with us through them. And then, as he did with the Samaritan woman, empowers her. And she goes out to tell as many people as she can the good news that the Messiah has come. And I love in the, in the episode, I would encourage you, if you haven't already, to, uh, I'm not getting paid to advertise for The Chosen, uh, but to check it out, yeah, I think you, by now you have to get an app on your phone or your iPad, and then you can, if you have a smart TV, you can throw it on your TV. Um, these are powerful episodes. But in this episode, this, this is a picture from the show. This woman, uh, you see her whole demeanor change when she recognizes this is the Messiah. 
and she leaves behind her water jugs that she came to get water from. And she says this line, and who knows if this is actually the words that she said, but in the TV show, she says to Jesus, she says, I need to go tell everybody. I need to go tell everyone. And the Jesus character gets a grin on his face, and he says, I was counting on that. And she goes running off, and she says, come meet a man who has told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? And when you read in John chapter 4, we know that uh, John tells us that many believed in him, in the Messiah, because of this woman's testimony. This woman that they had rejected, that they had shunned to the side of their community. They didn't want her there anymore. They tolerated her presence. They refused to, to be in any kind of real significant community with her. She was the outcast, right? And her life gets radically changed because she meets the Messiah. And she leaves all that shame behind along with her water pots. And she goes back and she tells all those people who rejected her, you have to come meet this man. The Messiah is here. And many, because of her testimony, many believed in him. And then John goes on to tell us that Jesus uh, stayed with them for a few days. And that many more came to know him as the Messiah. No longer because of the woman's testimony, but because of the testimony of all the other people. This woman was a discipler. This woman who uh, felt that morning that her, her life was just, let me just get through each day. Jesus radically changed her. And a community was changed because of her obedience to go tell the story. That was her response. Her response became one of gratitude and partnership. She didn't have it all figured out, right? She still had things she had to wrestle with. But because she met the Messiah, because she recognized what Jesus was doing already inside of her, and this is even before the cross and the empty tomb, she had to go tell the story. She had to respond in gratitude and partnership with him. Amazing, amazing. So again, we have people in our community like the woman at the well. Maybe you are sitting here today and can really connect with her. Maybe there are some sins that have just entrapped us, addictions that have trapped us, whether that be alcohol or um, uh, pornography or even this becomes an addiction. There are sometimes I'm ready to throw this, you know, into the ocean. Uh, and then it feels like I threw a limb off of my body. Um, but the, those sins entrap us. Jesus came to set us free from those things. Wants to set us free from those things. And so this morning, uh, as we have the woman at the well as a picture in our mind, I want to just remind us, and maybe this is the first time you've heard it, maybe you've heard it many times, and my prayer is that it would be a fresh uh, hearing, that God would, would make it settle even deeper into our lives this morning of what he has done for us and, and, and how that can lead us to a response of gratitude and worship. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 15. Paul tells us this. He says, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive in Christ. 
He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it on the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So there's two things that I see uh, God doing for us here. Is Number one, good news, he saved us from our sins. We were dead in our trespasses. We were dead in our sins. We're born into that. Every single human being, dead to sin, dead in our sin. There's nothing we can do to get out of it on our own strength. There's no amount of Sunday services that we can attend. There's no amount of money that we can throw in the offering plate that will get us out of our sin. Only the blood of Jesus could do that. And that's what he did. We feel trapped in those sins that I mentioned. And the list can go on and on of what that might be. And Jesus took that and he said, I'll take it. I'll bear the penalty of that. And when he did that, God now, as a judge, looks at us and says, you were guilty, but my son paid that for you. You are now innocent. In the eyes of the court, I declare you innocent. And when we accept that, we are back now in right relationship with the Father. And Paul uses a lot of the, the kind of legal, legal term, terms to, to define salvation, which is very true. Um, that uh, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, right? It's paid for. But I think that sometimes we stop there. While that's all true, very, very true and very, very good news, we almost treat it like a ticket into heaven. I got my ticket, and now I'm just going to wait, kind of standing on a platform waiting for the train to come when I can get to heaven. There's a, there's a line in the, in the conversation that Jesus had with the woman at the well where the woman, you can tell, she's getting a little frustrated with Jesus because of the confusion of these spiritual matters. And she says, you know what? When, when he will come, he'll make sense of it. Basically, she's trying to can we just end this conversation here? It'll all make sense at some point in time. And that's when Jesus reveals himself and he says, I'm he. I'm, he. I'm the one. But I think sometimes we... Our salvation is like, yep, I'm saved. I believe Jesus did this for me. And someday I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to heaven and everything's going to be made right. And Paul continues though, because there's something bigger that happens. And it's, he sanctifies us now and today. And it's also an ongoing process. When Paul says, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Disarmed. The power of sin has been broken. He wants to fill us with his fullness. He wants to live through us, through the person of the Holy Spirit, today, November, whatever it is, 2021. Today, we can be full of the Spirit, set free completely from the power of sin. That's good news. That is really, really good news. And that will cause us to leave all of that stuff behind like the woman did. Our jugs of water and also our shame and our guilt and say, I've been released from these things. And as Paul said, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 
Gang, we have a world who needs to hear that news. And that's responding from a place of gratitude and partnership. That's what Christ has done for us. That's the full message of the gospel. Christ wanting to to take over. And what needs to happen is we need to surrender. We don't like that word, surrender. But we surrender our lives to him. Not out of, again, a transaction, but out of worship. Recognizing that is the best option. It's good news to surrender to him. Because now he can come in and take control. Wipe us completely clean and enable us to live in power. I want to just take a moment and read further in Colossians. And I don't have this on the screen because it's, it's a lot of scripture. And I want, I want to just invite you to, to listen along with me. I want to let the words of scripture speak to us this morning. Of really what our response can look like when we embrace this. And this is Colossians chapter 3. It's, it's a continued thought of, of what Paul was saying in 2. But so in Colossians 3, starting at verse 1, Paul says this, and, and these are words of life here. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a really appealing way to live. And I think our communities will be, and there's proof that they are, deeply impacted when the people of God live through the power of the Spirit in the ways that Paul just described. 
You and I, on our own strength, we can't do it. We will fail every single time. And we'll be faking it, and people will see it. We all know. People know when we're faking it. But when we allow the Spirit, when we surrender ourselves completely to Him, and allow Him to have full control of every moment of every day, man, do people take notice of that and do a bit and and big things happen. And that's our response. And Paul talks about it with gratitude. We do it out of a heart of gratitude. And so my my prayer for us this morning, and again, St. John's, there's a lot of evidence of the Spirit at work here. And praise God for that. What about you as an individual? Are there areas of your life that you've taken control of? Or have never released control to God. Surrendered and let him have. He wants them today. He wants to fill you with his power today, right now. And, and, and your life can be a response of gratitude and partnership. The Francis Asbury Society exists to proclaim this message of holiness. And, and to disciple people as we teach this message. And traditionally, we've done this through uh, publishing books and other resources. There's a team of speakers who go out and share. Many of you know uh, Ron Smith, who was the pastor here uh, previously. Uh, He's now the president of the Francis Asbury Society. And he invited Kelly and I to come and to start a student arm, a student ministry for uh, the Francis Asbury Society. Recognizing, uh, and, and some of you can give testimony to this, that this up-and-coming generation, and I mean no offense to the generation that, that is here today, but there, there's just a lot of confusion out there. There's a lot of mixed messages. And so we believe that we need to come alongside the, the younger generation and share this message, this truth, because God wants to use them to make an impact in their society, in their communities. And so we've, we've started ministry on the campuses of Asbury University and Asbury Theological Seminary, which you may say, well, Josh, those are Christian institutions. Why are you starting there? Well, let me tell you, we're starting there because we believe that's a harvest field where God's going to train up more to come alongside and help us to then branch out to other universities and other campuses. And also let me tell you, as awesome as those two institutions are, and they are great and solid institutions, there are still men and women on both sides of the street who are walking in confusion and who don't know the truth. And so there is a harvest field too of of sharing the truth with them and seeing them come to know Christ in a real, real personal way. God has also opened opportunities for us uh, actually to get into the public school system. Uh, I've connected with a group that uh, in two counties there uh, in in Kentucky, we're able to uh, get into sixth grade classrooms and do mentoring and leadership development. And it's a Christian organization, but obviously they can't be overt uh, in their terminology, but all their lessons are based in scripture. And we, we get to go into the classroom because of COVID, obviously threw a wrench into a lot of different things. But uh, traditionally, there's a classroom leader who teaches the lesson. They get a whole period with sixth grade students. They teach the lesson, and then we have a team of mentors who come alongside and we work in small groups with these students. So last week, I'm doing mentoring through Zoom uh, with some of these students. We were talking about our words and the power that our words have, whether to build up or to tear down. 
right? This is, this is biblical solid stuff. And we're able to do that in the public school. And she, this woman who leads it has a vision and, and probably a lot of very strong allies on her side to get her from sixth grade all the way up to 12th grade. Similar type of teaching in the public school system. God is opening amazing opportunities. God has given Kelly, uh, my wife, uh, about six or seven young ladies, either at the university or on the seminary side. Uh, I wish I could tell you all the stories, but God is bringing them to Kelly to do one-on-one mentoring. And these are amazing girls uh, that God has has given to Kelly uh, who are and will continue to be big changers uh, for the kingdom of God. And so God's opening doors, and we're excited about that. Uh, I do have prayer cards. If you don't have our latest and greatest uh, prayer card, um, we do have those. We are still on missionary support. uh, And so we do ask for your partnership. If God is uh, tugging on your heart to be a part of this kind of ministry, we would love to partner with you. Uh, We need your prayers. The enemy hates this message. Remember what Paul said? Jesus made a public spectacle of them, of him, of the enemy. And so the enemy hates this message. He doesn't want it out there. And we already see him fighting back against it. And so we need your prayers. Uh, We need financial support. Uh, We thank God for the many who are supporting us and have gotten us this far. Uh, There is still a need. So if that is something that you or your family want to be a part of, we can talk about that. We invite you to come. We're a lot closer now than we were when we were in Uganda. It's, you can drive it. You can fly it in an hour and a half. Uh, we would love to find ways for you uh, to come out. Uh, we can come up with, um, there are different opportunities that we could use your help. Uh, so if that's of interest, we can be in conversation about that. But I'll be standing in the back. Uh, if you want to chat more, if you want to grab one of these cards, uh, happy to do that. But as I close, I just want to focus most importantly on the scripture and invite you and encourage you and challenge you. What is the spirit saying to you? Are there areas of your life where you need to give him full, absolute control. Let me tell you, he wants it all. He deserves it all, and it's the best decision that you can ever make. You can trust him. He's trustworthy. And then live a life of responding in gratitude and partnership and watch him do big, big things in your families, in your communities, and around the world. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful people. I know I find myself wishing there were more words, more powerful words to say thank you. But I have what I have. And so God, we are thankful for what you have done through your son, Jesus Christ, on the cross and defeating sin and death. That you you have saved us, not just so that we can get a ticket into heaven, which that is awesome. But God, you saved us so that today, this very day right now, we can live completely free from the power of sin, from the shame of sin. We can live in the fullness that is the person of Jesus Christ. And so, Spirit, I just pray that you would fall on each and every person in a new and fresh way this morning. And God, send us out with gratitude and partnership. And all praise and honor goes back to you. We pray in your name. Amen.